that is a very festive intro that I that I enjoy very very much. But here we are, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to another episode of Alex Road. I mean, the Serious Anglers podcast. I am so glad to be here with you tonight. I am going to be your uh, tertiary tertiary. That's the word. Yeah, I went to college. I know that word. The tertiary host of this show here tonight. My name is Mr. Alex Rev. For you guys that don't know me, um, I have been tasked with doing the intro for this podcast. Um, Bailey and Andy are both here, um, but I've been tasked with doing the intro, and I feel as though that I've done a proper job of introing this here podcast pretty well. Um, how are you boys doing tonight? Good man. How are you? What's been new? Thanks for the uh-huh. sweet intro. That was that was quite efficient of you. Hey, well, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm actually going to be the officiant of my sister's wedding, so I have to figure out how to get ordained here before too long, um, because oh, they want me to do that. So that's going to be really fun. But I'm good. I'm good, man. I'm, I'm hanging out. I'm doing my thing. The whole, uh, like doing content creation full time and fishing full time's pretty wicked. I like it. I, I don't. I'll be honest with you. Like I normally had my summers off because I was a teacher. I think about August. Right when everybody else like is going back to work and I don't have to is when it's like really going to set in. And then it's going to be like, I don't know if it's going to be like really good or if it's going to be one of those like, Oh my God, Oh my God, I actually have to pay the bills doing this. I'm not sure what it's going to be, but I'm sure it's going to be great. Whatever it is. Yeah. Dude, I have my other computer down here and it is like screaming at me right now. Wow. <laughs> Super professional, Bailey. I thought this was a podcast. Not a Bailey's guy. having all kinds of issues. Computer repair show. He's, <laughs> he really uh, is. He, Bailey's he malfunctioning. Left. His computer's malfunctioning. I mean, it's just a malfunction fest over here. I know. What a great start to a show here, boys. Oh man. Yeah. We just let Rod just take away, take over the show. Computers screaming us. I'm it's like real. in the worst lighting and sound ever. So it's sounds like a good it's podcast. Right. Yeah, this, Dude, listen, this is I like am, day one quality, all right? Like day oh, one quality. I, and I have an uncanny knack for like ruining a good thing. So, I mean, as soon as I get involved, you better just understand it's all downhill from there. So we're, <laughs> we're here and we're going to make this the greatest podcast that's ever been podcasted. Are we quoting Newfound Glory all downhill from here? Hey, we might be. We might be. <laughs> is that what happened point. to YouTube? Is you just started doing it and it's going downhill from there? <laughs> Pretty much. Like the downfall of YouTube started when I got on the platform. So, I mean, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I may be the ruination of it all. <laughs> well, boys, tonight we're talking about a uh, a fun topic and one that I have honestly not gotten to experience all like a, fair, a good amount, like maybe three or four times is like a fun, like a good mayfly hatch. Mm. And one where like, you find those gills up shallow loaded and you put on a good, you basically just really anything but more of a gill imitator and you just have yourself a heyday with catching bass. But uh, I know, Rudd, you are f- very familiar with it. You know, obviously yeah. from you know, being yeah. from Tennessee and from a largemouth standpoint, but so is Andrew from an interesting and kind of a unique standpoint on the Great Lakes with smallmouth. Yeah, and it's kind of funny because you don't really associate smallmouth with bluegill all that much. But, um, but like sometime in the spring, some of our bait fish actually spawn, from my understanding. And they're up there feeding on mayflies. And that brings the smallmouth in the chase after them. And then you can target them doing things that you never thought you can catch smallmouth on. 
this time of year on the Great Lakes, so it's a lot of fun. Now, are they actually on the Great Lakes, though? Like, I'm actually intrigued. Are they actually going after, like, a bluegill, or are they actually trying to eat the mayflies? I, I think they're chasing the bait fish, whatever the bait fish is in there that's eating. So, like, maybe, like, you're the young perch, so you're, like, two to three-inch perch that are up shallow, so, like, your grass perch. Or there are some bluegills, but, like, they're not going to eat a six, seven, eight-inch bluegill like a largemouth will. You might catch a couple giant largemouth that are eating bluegills that are around, but it's more, like, shad based and like a yellow perch or a white bass or whatever the more slender type fish population is that could be in that area eating on those mayflies at that time hmm. I mean, what's we probably should start with this one but rudd if, if you could you know in your teacher terms best to describe to the folks watching and listening what is a mayfly hatch if they've never heard of it or that they really don't know exactly what it is so a mayfly is an aquatic insect that lives most, if not all, of its life actually in the water as, as a nymph. Um, it's so pretty much mayflies hatch out. They float to the top um, just like, a, you know, a butterfly or any other insect that, you know, goes from one stage to another. It develops wings. They fly around. They mate. They lay their eggs in the water. And the process starts all over again. And so it's just a small little brown bug. Um, imagine pretty much like a uh, about a two inch long bug with really big clear wings and two little like tails sticking out the back of it um and these things i mean i've seen them so thick before that they literally like make the tree limbs droop on the trees um they'll hatch that thick you know they've they've hatched so thick here before that doppler radar picks them up Mm -hmm. and so you know their method of their method of breeding or their method of reproduction is just like kind of a um a cicada you know we had the whole brood x cicada thing last year we have cicadas here almost every year um it's just millions and millions and millions of them all at the same time spray and pray and try to make as many babies as they possibly can because when the mayflies do hatch it's not just the bass that eat on them like literally everything eats on them box turtles you know snakes birds bats fish like if it eats something like i've seen coons i've literally seen coons walking down the bank taking handfuls of them and like eating them and it's just you know it's a protein source and a food source for every animal this time of year now that you say that i saw a lot of raccoons up shallow yep like on the bank. Doing. I say Adaptation that, like, of their environment. I, I, I love that I said that I was seeing raccoons up shallow as if I'd see them out deep. <laughs> yeah, dude, I saw this <laughs> raccoon sitting in 21 foot, just floating there. Like, just waiting. He's grabbing. <laughs> he's, grabbing <laughs> he's grabbing mayflies and just shoveling <laughs> them in as he's floating around in the Tennessee River current. <laughs> Does he have a beer cooler floating behind him, too? Yeah. Like, <laughs> he's just got little floaties on his arms. He's just like, ah. <laughs> I think I, uh, I have one on GoPro that's like just sitting there, sitting on a rock, just eating. I didn't put two and two together, and I'm just like talking to him, like, "What's up, dude? Skip the frog in front yeah. of him." And just, just, yeah, just watched it go by. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. But no, mayflies are interesting, man. They're um now up there, Andrew. Do you have do you have the big ones or do you all have the little bitty ones? Because like when I the went to Michigan, they're like an inch. Yes. Okay. See, ours are like the big ones. They're like two, sometimes three, like total body length with the little tails and the yeah, like. 
you know, um, I want to say feathers. I know it's not feathers. They're wings. Wings. But that's yeah. Feathers. Yeah. <laughs> they're wings and everything. I mean, like ours are probably three and a half inches long. Like they're, they're, they're a big. good sized. Yeah. They're a good sized insect. Um, so that's interesting. I don't know if it's two different species, but they look exactly the same. It's just a different size. Do you, do you know anything about that? No, I, I know like they're an emergent thing. So it's got to be the type of caddis or larvae that they're coming from. So they have to be mm-hmm. two different species of uh, mayfly. They have to be because like when you go to like a trout stream, there's like 95 different type of caddis bugs per stream that you can go off of in stoneflies. So there has so to be. So there are um, over 3,000 species of mayfly are known worldwide grouped into over 400 different subspecies and 42 different families so did yes, you just google it i just googled it i just pulled a <laughs> jamie from joe rogan and googled it for us um so yeah there are over three thousand species of mayflies so there yeah. you go don't yeah. think that my mayflies are your mayflies or your mayflies are my mayflies all mayflies are made individually and have their own individual you know importance in the world they're all their own conglomerate of mayflies perfect exactly but exactly it, it's perfect timing for this, though, because I was literally like mm. reading through the news the other day, and the Mayfly hatch is starting on the southwest side of Ohio, like Erie and Ohio and Indiana and stuff. And it's so thick that they're actually catching it on radar over the lake. That's, crazy, That's how bad it gets. Yeah. But they're all the like the little one inches. I'd rather have the big ones because you can kind of navigate mm-hmm. kind of through those. Those little ones, yeah. they get in every orifice that's open on your body. It is not fun. Yeah. No, it's not like, dude, and it's like they they somehow find their way into your ears. That's the worst part. Like I got hood up, face mask on, sunglasses on, like freaking wrists are taped up because like you'll get home and like take your shirt off and four will fall out of your shirt. And you're like, how did you get in there? Like everywhere. That's funny because I was going down the the river, uh, the lake really, uh, and there's mayflies in all the trees and I'm skipping under the trees. And I had had my face mask pulled up, but I just I just see this little thing from the top of my hat start peeling out, and I was like, "What the?" And I didn't even care. Usually, like it's a mayfly, they're harmless. So it didn't bother me much. But at first, I jumped back because I thought it was a spider. Yeah, I just like go over there. So like bluegill's gonna eat you. <laughs> you are dead. Yeah, you, you are you're dead. That's funny. So. So, like, when we start thinking about mayflies, I know for you, Andrew, it's going to be completely different than me. Like, how we even focus on this, I think it is. I I can almost think that it is. But, like, how do you focus on them? Like, what's your, like, go-to method is to go and focus on this mayfly hatch bite, right? Yeah, so, like, if the mayfly hatch is happening, usually right about now there's three baits that play big time one the jerk bait mm-hmm. comes back into play even though the water's like 65 degrees and they want it ripped super fast but the mm-hmm. two biggest ones is i'm going to give up something here really fun on the inside break walls around buffalo and erie one is a popper they'll eat a popper really good for about the first mm-hmm. half hour but mm-hmm. you can get them fired on a whopper plopper for literally all day long if it's mm-hmm. sunny clear there's no bow traffic so as long as you have Mm -hmm. some slick calm water and you can get around some fish that are in all three phases post pre 
and spawn, they will just erupt on a whopper plopper during that mayfly hatch because all those little panfish and stuff that whatever they're they want to eat are just you'll see it like the mayfly will land on the water and just swoop, and you're like, oh, this is a perfect area to throw it around, and there's always smallmouth chasing them, and it's yeah. some of the most insane strikes you'll ever see in your life. Dude, and they do hit that whopper plopper like it owes them money. Like I love it. I love Death it. charge rolling off the back of like a World War II battleship, like off of like the coast of Japan. Just <laughs> yes, it's amazing. That is awesome. five pounders one, and it's always the biggest ones that eat it. Always, yes, it is. <laughs> and and so the kind of the preface for the show was because Alex and I were both fishing Lake Chickamauga this past weekend, and that was going down like. Alex said it that if our tournament was what two three days later that it would have been absolutely bonkers up shallow because mm-hmm. of that mayfly hatch. Um, yep. We had noticed it, I think, when we were leaving Friday, when we were getting off the water that there was mayflies. I think you found a tree and you started shaking, it and mayflies are coming everywhere. <laughs> yeah. I said, "Watch this!" Poof, <laughs> <laughs> and like, <laughs> <laughs> and Thanks. one thing we had noticed was at least in specific areas that not you know, the bluegills had just started to move up so that the mm-hmm. bass weren't there yet. But, and that starts the question of when does the mayfly hatch typically start? Like, is it a timing deal? Is it a water temperature, air temperature, seasonal? Like, how do you know when it's like, when to start looking out for that? So for me, it's water temperature. I don't, I'm guessing it has something to do with when they start hatching. I would guess it, you know, like those, the little larvae or the nymphs, I guess they just like hang out until the water temperature hits something right and then they move up. Um, the reason I say that is because, you know, you'll have a mayfly hatch at the lower end of the lake and the warmest part of the lake first. And then like I've seen mayfly hatches as late as July up on the rivers where the water's, you know, still 65, you know, almost peaking up into 70 degrees, like by July, you know what I mean? July, August. Um, so ours is very prolonged where I'm guessing up north, it's probably completely different. It seems like everything up north is like when it goes, it all goes like we're down yeah. here. It's like prolonged, stretched out thing. And so for me, it's water temperature. And it's also like you'll have like the big, like massive hatches, too. And those normally happen further south. Like those will happen on Chickamauga, Nickajack, Gunnersville. That's where you see those like biblical plague <laughs> Hatches where it's like really incomprehensible. Swarms of clouds of mayflies. Yes. Like, literally oh will like yeah, they'll literally like blot out the street lights. Like it's no joke. Like it is it is biblical when it goes down. Like I see it one time on Pickwick and like it was almost incomprehensible how many mayflies were actually hatching at that one time. It was crazy. That's just absurd. Like so like our mayfly hatch isn't anything like that, right? Like we'll get a couple probably million of them or billion of them or however many hatch, but they're not blotting out streets. There's not that many. There's like a billion. Yeah, there's like a billion, but there's not like, that many. Only they're a couple all trillion. Like he sounds like the U.S. government. Suspect. It's not that much money. It's only 44 billion. <laughs> 2.4 I'm sorry. Let's be I'm sorry. No, I'm, you're I'm sorry, Andy. Go ahead. <laughs> no, I, I, I agree with you completely. It's hilarious. But, um, <laughs> No, so like, but the odd part is we get like a mayfly sand mayfly sandfly hatch. So you get like these tiny little bugs that are like microscopic and they get in everything. Mm -hmm. So like Mm -hmm. you'll be running down the lake eating sandflies, 
crushing mayflies on your face and you're just like this is the greatest day of my life like you come home and your shirt's covered your glasses you had literally have to like dip your glasses in the water because of the sand flies they're so little but they'll like coat your entire thing yeah that's biblical that is yeah. disgusting yeah can you imagine yeah. me and the guy getting drawn the straw to have to clean that they'll just fly away there was, there was one year that I remember I was telling Bailey about it that they actually had to put out a warning because the roads were slick from the mayfly carcasses and people were like <laughs> sliding off the road because it was like they were that thick. Like here, here's a good video. Watch this. Oh yeah. I mean, and there's this. I mean, like you can see how freaking thick they hang. Like, ugh. <laughs> that's them. Bluegill candy. Yeah. Right. Well, what's crazy is, and this will be kind of a good topic to get into and kind of a transition into how we, how we actually fish it is like, I know for me, I want to avoid that. Like I try to avoid just the like God awful amount of them because I feel like it's like a shad spawn where it's like where you get so many up there that the bass have no need to eat what you're throwing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Or they're spread out in such a big area that you, you would you you know you could cover twenty mile a bank and only get four bites. What I try to look for are those little isolated mayfly hatches, kind of like what we found the other day, Bailey. When I found that one tree, like if that one tree had been in like four or five foot of water, dude, I could promise you there'd probably been you know at least one five pounder sitting up under there eating bluegills. And mm-hmm. so, like, I would want to find like that one tree or you know a bank where there's mayflies hatching. I don't want to go try to tackle this enormous span of, of mayflies is it the same up there or or kind of what's it work out up there like same thing um but we don't get like the biblical proportion mm-hmm. of mayfly hatches so ours are always just kind of scattered on the great lakes like i think they need something to attach to when they come out of the water mm-hmm. and emerge yep and yep. along our shoreline we don't get a lot of trees so mm-hmm. literally like my favorite stretch to catch bass smallmouth when there's a mayfly hatch going on and there's literally two trees on that shoreline where i catch them and that's because they go up and then they drop and they get swarmed but there's yeah. still we don't get quite the amount of mayflies like you guys get down there yeah so, honestly, yeah. i don't think i've ever like i can't remember a legitimate mayfly hatch that i've fished up here yeah it's just i don't notice it's more like, oh, like I had I'm a mayfly land on my arm. The mayfly bites about, like, that bites about to turn on. And it lasts for, like, six days, seven days wow. max. Gotcha. gotcha. Yeah, That's it was wild. not like Tennessee yeah. where it's just, like, they're absolutely everywhere. Yeah. Dude, oh, and that was the thing. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And that's the thing is like, like I said, two, three, like probably right now, we could go to that island that we fished around in the tournament and they would be so thick you wouldn't even know what to do with them all. Like the tree limbs would probably be black and sagging with mayflies. Like it's, it's insane I mean, when they go. Are you better off just like ditching that completely or? <sighs> I mean, you can be, and, and then you can't be all at the same time. I mean, it's a very weird kind of deal. I, I think the biggest thing for me, what I like to look for are boat docks. I feel like boat docks kind of help me to isolate something like, I, so here's here's my kind of viewpoint on it and, and kind of how I approach it. A bank with a bunch of trees on it, it's hard to differentiate like what tree are they on, what limb are they hanging from because they're on every single tree, they're on every single limb. 
Whereas if I can find like a set of boat docks, they'll do the same thing on the boat docks that they'll do on the trees where it's crawl up there and start doing whatever they do. Well, the boat docks are more spread apart. They're more uniform. So I have like this target to fish Mm -hmm. at. And that makes it a lot easier for me. That's just the way my brain works. Like I'm way too ADHD. Like if I have too many targets, I just can't. Like I have to have a few targets and and go for it. And, you know, for me, my three big baits that I throw for the Mayfly Hatch are flipping a creature bait that looks like a bluegill, throwing a Cinco, which looks kind of like a bluegill or a Mayfly, and then a frog or some other type of top of water. Like you said, a whopper plopper. Um, yeah. It kind of depends on the lake that I'm on. There's certain lakes where like they'll smash the whopper plopper. And there's other lakes where you got to take that frog and kind of do what you were doing, Bailey, where it's like that real slow, just twitch, twitch, twitch. And then they'll, and they'll, they'll blow up on it. You know what I mean? Um, and right. then I'll also actually focus on trying to imitate a mayfly because there are a certain segment of the bass that'll eat those mayflies. And so like, I'll take, you know, like a little, like a Ned rig size plastic and fish it weightless. And like, I know that is like crazy sounding, but it works. Like it is crazy how they will actually eat that thing. And like, you'll have three and four pounders that come up and smoke something the size of a mayfly. And I've caught them where the backs of their throats are literally black with mayflies. And like, they totally go past the bluegill. And they just like lazily swim around and just like grab mayflies off the surface. It's it's pretty crazy. They won't even blow up on them. They just kind of come up and like open their mouth and then go back down and come up and open their mouth and go back down. What I would throw in that situation, like I do it for smallmouth here, is a little like two and a half inch all black popper. Yep. That do when there's thing. a mayfly mayfly hatch going, there's something yep. about working an all black popper just like pop, wait five, six seconds pop pop and it's not even like making it spit and chug you're literally just making a ripple so you're working it super slow and they'll come up and they just like you don't even notice it half the time you feel them because they just come up yes like they don't slurp it they just like peck it and slowly go back down yeah same thing and then you're like oh gosh like yeah your line will move you're like that was that's weird yeah Yeah, it is all wrong it's you gotta (laughs) throw the lunker hunt dragonfly Oh, that's right. That, that might work. <laughs> the I mean, dude, it may oh, seriously work. You probably, you probably crack them on that. Let's be totally <laughs> yeah. honest. That yeah. are with those little cicada baits. Like I got some mm. of those little cicada baits now. Jitterbug. Those things. A jitterbug, like a little mini jitterbug. Like, dude, yeah. it's fun. You'll catch ten thousand two hundred bluegill, but dude, you can have some fun with it. But dude, no, that bite on that that is like it's so like it is the most gentle thing. Like yeah. they just come and like they just open their mouths like almost like a whale. Like you yeah. see the whales come up and like eat the krill and go back down. So seriously, they'll just come up and just. Or like a brown trout or a stream rainbow trout that comes up and eats like an emergent fly on yeah, the just, surface. It's literally just like the softest take ever. And it'll be like a 22 injured. Like it just yeah. comes up and just goes it's back crazy. down. You guys remember it's that so eat from Stetson Blaylock? I think it was at like Winya Bay or something like that. The popper bite. Exactly. Yeah. It's exactly what it's they like. would just come up and just like the popper would just like you would see the face of the popper go back down slowly, but you would never see him bite it. It would just like disappear. I had one of those in the tournament on Sunday. It was the only because because Alex told me he goes, dude, when you throw a frog and chicken mug, I, I don't know what it is, but you're like you said every single fish will eat it like they hate it. Yeah. And I remember thinking it was super weird because there's only one fish that did it out of the however many I caught that day. 
I yeah. skip into a overhanging bush and I'm working it slowly. And the water was a little bit clear in this creek. And I just see the bass come up and like super slow. I'm just like letting it sit. Like I'm not even doing anything. He just grabs it and then just slowly just starts falling. <laughs> I'm just like amazed watching it. And then I just crack him. Yeah. I was just like, I was like, the whole that was a Mayfly. Like, he's right like, this dog ain't going anywhere. Like super ninja like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So oh, yeah. Those. Mayfly eaters are cr- they're crazy fish because they just mm-hmm. like they're so like almost docile and gentle and they go mm-hmm. like it's this tiny little bug I don't have to kill it it's an easy meal yeah. so I'm gonna exert zero energy I'm gonna come up and just barely suck it in because I don't have to open my mouth and just go yeah. down. <laughs> well, I think what that does is it proves how much of a ba- how much a bass will not do something in order to conserve energy or will do something a certain way to conserve energy. Yeah. Like so many, like people don't, don't process that a bass is like, like part of its goal of living and part of the process of living for a bass is the conservation of energy. You know, we have, we can go get food at will. Like we live a life where if we need something to eat, or even if we're the slightest bit hungry, we go to the pantry and we stuff our face with whatever. Whereas a bass, man, it lives in a it lives a life, a predatory lifestyle where that might not always be the case. Mm-hmm. And so that conservation of energy is like so big to the instinctual drive of that bass that eating like that in that mayfly hatch is so pivotal for them because it's just like thousands of calories that they can consume without doing anything at all. I mean, literally they just ease around and go all day long and just eat them off the surface. And then if they feel like it you know, lash out and grab a bluegill every now and again. And it's just like, that's, I think one of the biggest thing. It's like free protein. Exactly. (laughs) It's like endless popcorn. Yeah. Like an apple farm. Like they're walking just. Yes, exactly. All day. And then all of a sudden, all of a sudden there's a squirrel runs across in front of them. They crack it real quick. And then they got a squirrel to eat all their apples. (laughs) Yeah. Back to my apples. Yes, back to my. I think, but no, yeah. I think the point we're trying to get at with joking about this is that the mayfly hatch, like once you kind of click in your head that it's going on and how you should approach it, it's probably one of the easiest and most fun things you'll fish in your life. Pretty much, because <laughs> yeah. yeah. they're there. You, it's like a shad spawn. Yeah, it's just more docile. It's a more docile shad spawn. Like yeah, everything you just have to. You think there's a lot of food. The biggest thing I can say about a shed, not shed spot, mayfly hatch is slow down. Like, because, mm-hmm. like, don't pop, pop, pop that popper. Just pop. Count to five or six seconds. Pop, pop. And you don't need to chug it. It's literally just literally sweeping it slightly to make it move a half inch at a time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and same thing like with even like a whopper plopper or a chopo. Yeah. You know what I mean? Those plopping style baits. Just, like for me, slow and steady. Yeah, slow and steady. And even like what I'll do is I'll throw it up against a piece of cover. And I actually have a catch from yesterday where this happened. I'll throw it up on a piece of cover and I just go bloop, bloop, bloop. And I'll pull it three <laughs> or four times. And dude, and they'll smash it. And like, you know, you pull it three or four times and then start your reel. Like they'll either smash it on those three little pulls or they'll smash it as soon as you start reeling it really fast. And like, that's something to just kind of keep in mind that, you know, that chopo style, that plopping style bait, it's not just burned down the bank with it. It can also be used almost like a popper where you just 
bloop. And that was like a 110 size too. I mean, that was a bigger one. But I threw it up on this piece of cover and just bloop, bloop. And on the third pull, I mean, as soon as I moved it, just ah, just wrecked it. And I, th- I think a lot of that has to do with like, you know, there are bass that are up there eating those bluegills and eating those bait fish, like you said. And there's a lot of bait fish that eat mayflies too. That's mm-hmm. one thing that people underestimate. They think mayflies, bluegills. No, dude, gizzard shad, thread fins, the perch. You know, I mean, all of these smaller predatory fish are going to come up there and eat those mayflies too. And so, like, just imitating a bluegill sometimes can be to a detriment. Where I found sometimes if I imitate like those bigger shad like the gizzards and you know like l wives and stuff like that that i get more bites because those bass my bass anyway i mean they're such shad eaters they focus in on those shad sometimes and they just will completely ignore the bluegill i don't know why they do that they just do but like i was throwing a 110 size you know chopo yesterday in a shad color and that's what that fish wanted to eat. And it's just gentle. Like you said, very gentle, very slow, very methodical. And throw at things two or three times. That's another thing mm-hmm. that I've noticed. It's like you don't just like blow up a bank. Like if you find a isolated tree with mayflies on it, sit there and fish that thing. And almost treat it like a school, like an offshore school. Throw one thing at it for a few minutes and then pick up and throw something else at it for a few minutes and pick up and throw something else at it for a few minutes and cycle through a few baits. And you'll be amazed how many fish you can pull off that one area throwing three or four different things. And, and another big point, too, that people miss when they fish trees is they always try to go for the most obvious part of it, right? The trunk where it meets the land. Yeah. You should really slow down and work outside in and then back outside because most of the time, there's bass all the way through it. And Mm -hmm. the biggest ones will be on one part and the small ones will be on another. But if you really take the time, fish the right side, the left side of the log from out to in, if you make that cast in first and you catch a big one in the back, all the ones on the outside are spooked. So if you catch them on the outside and you work back, you're kind of eliminate, in theory, spooking the fish on the inside so you can actually catch a few more. I think mm-hmm. you should specify too, like what does outside exactly mean? Like where on that tree should they start and where should they end? I guess it depends on how deep the tree is in and the relative pattern of the day. Cause like on some of our inland lakes, when I tree fish and if we have a bug hatch going on, um, we, you've been to one of them, Bailey, like the small little reservoirs. Some of those trees are in 40 foot of water on the end of them. And then the base is in like six inches. So it depends on the fishery you're in. If it's on a flat and the the top of the tree is in six foot and the base is in one foot, you would obviously fish the whole thing, but it's all dependent on water and where those bass are living. And you can tell once you fish a couple of trees where they're actually at. Yeah, it's agreed. I think that's one thing that's probably really overlooked is how to step-by-step step actually fish a piece of cover. Especially like a tree, people like you said, just throw it the high percentage stuff. Which I think, like in practice, it's like you know, if you're just searching, you obviously want to hit the high percentage stuff. It's your faster way of finding a bite or realizing what, if they're actually on wood or not. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I guess that could be said for anything like grass, even rock. You hit the so, high percentage stuff just, and then once you realize they're on it, then you can pick everything apart. Yeah. So I guess like the way I would break down like fishing a tree, right? Like if I'm coming down the bank and the tree comes out, my first cast is always to the outside of the tree because I want to see what's there. And then I will make a 
based on depending on what side I'm coming at the tree, after I reel that in, as I'm coming up to it, I'll throw my cast into whatever side my boat is coming into. And then as I go by, I'll make a cast the other one. And this is just in terms of top water, not really flipping it. So if I'm like chugging a whopper plopper and I have a lay down in some of the outside tree branches, I can see first cast is a whopper plopper on the outside. Then I'll parallel it. So make a T as I'm coming by on the right side. And then as I go past, it'll come down the left mm-hmm. and then kind of work outside in. And then once you get a bite, you can really figure out where they're sitting. And then you'll make that cast slowly work your way back and really start breaking them down more. Because once you mm-hmm. get a bit on a certain type of tree and the way it's laying in the water and the size, you can run the same pattern through the entire lake in that section of the lake that you're fishing. Mm-hmm. And docks are the same way because yeah. I'll focus, like I said, I'll focus in on docks a lot. And it's like, whatever side I'm approaching, I'm going down the side first. I'm going that front post into the boat slip, other yeah. side. And like, it's so funny. You're right. I've like gone into a pocket and you'll catch fish like on the right side of every single dock. I don't know why, but it's just like the way that they set on the right side of every single dock. You know, you throw up it or you get the bite in the boat slip. Like, and it's just so funny how for some reason, like in a pocket or in an area, they'll all be on the same side or in the same part of the dock. Like it's, it's hilarious. I think a lot of that too depends on the way the wind is blowing or if it's like a Mm -hmm. current situation, how the current's flowing out. So they're always Mm going to be on the down current side because it's the easiest place for them to rest and ambush. So like, exactly. On a wind situation, if you're in a pocket that has no current, that wind is blowing a certain way into that dock, they're either going to be on the backside of the dock or in that boat slip, depending on how much dock is in front of them. Of course, they're going to be underneath the main part of it, and that's usually your biggest one and the ones that want to eat, but you're more relaxed predatory fish that are waiting for the meal to come to them are going to be on the backside or in the slip where they have current breaks in their able to create a distinctive ambush point exactly you know great example that video that i actually just put out tonight um for my tournament on chick and the hobie open um i I fished this slough and it's hilarious there's like the big opening of the slough that goes in tightens bottles next down to probably a a slough that's like 12 foot across and then goes back and then comes back out i caught two fish where it opens up at the back and i caught three more fish, four fish actually where it opens up at the front. And what it was is they were pulling current through uh, Chickamauga Dam, which was making current pull out, is making the water pull out of that slough. And it's just like you said, that current had those fish sitting in that natural ambush position. It pulled them Mm -hmm. right up on the bank. There was also a little bit of a mayfly hatch going on. There was a ton of bluegills in there. And so, like, it was just easy. It was an ambush position. Like, the food was literally being brought to them, and all they had to do was sit there and wait. You know, and as soon as I casted my frog up on the bank, they would just, you know, bust it. But, yeah, I think I think people dramatically overlook wind. Like, current is king in my in my area of the, the country. Current everywhere. is king. Like, everywhere. everywhere. Like, yeah. And it doesn't matter if it's man-made, if it's natural, like if it's a river running or if it's w- wind pull- pushing water under like a dock or even like a walkway on a dock, like current is king. If there is moving water, a bass will put its nose right into it and it will sit there and it'll wait for something to come by its face and eat it. And in my experience, the bass 
that is sitting with its nose into the current is one of the easiest ones to catch because it's there to literally do the thing you're wanting it to do, which is kill something. (laughs) And like, it's just, man, current is king in that kind of situation. It's fun. And I want to know your opinion on this in those fish in the slough, the ones that you caught on the head Mm -hmm. of the slough, were they Mm -hmm. the smaller fish and the ones in the back were the bigger ones or was it vice versa? Cause I usually find it was vice versa. Cause I usually find, I usually find that, the smaller ones will be the ones that sit in the backside of the pocket. So it's the same thing. And the big ones will yeah. be out eating yeah. in that main current. Cause they're there for a reason. Yeah. So it, yeah. It was actually, it was vice versa uh, this time, but a lot of that just probably had to do with, there was a lot of fish moving in and out of there. Um, I actually ended up catching one flipping later on in the day it was actually the biggest one. And he was like halfway back. Yeah. And I think a lot of it was just, you had a bunch of fish that had probably been in there spawning and like they were just making their way out. Whereas if we were like true blue post spawn, I think you would have had a lot more of those big ones out at the mouth and the smaller ones in the back. You know what I mean? Because they were moving back out towards the ledges and it's just the way our fish function. I mean, it's that kind of like Tennessee river ledge thing is so real because you'll have seven pounders that come up out of 20 foot of water, you know, dump their eggs and like six miles back in a slough and then swim all the way back out to a ledge. Like it is the strangest thing. But then you also have residential fish too. But yeah, it was vice versa this go around. Yeah. And and that and I think a lot of it too does depend on the seasonality situation that you have. So mm-hmm. it's very seasonal when you'll catch them. Like with smallmouth in that same current situation, I always find the biggest fish will be almost like alone wolves. And then when you mm-hmm. catch a bunch of fish, they tend to be all the same size when it comes to current two and a half yep. and three pounders because yep. they yep. all like roam together. And then you'll get that six pounder lone wolf out in front of them in the current looking to snack or yeah. you'll weed through the two and a half pounders. And then that big one will settle in afterwards. So it's just yes. crazy yes. how they all act. It just, yeah. Bailey got we, to experience that. I told him, I was like, dude, you're going to catch a bunch of cookie cutter fish. And it's like, it was like you would go up a bank and catch them all. And they all almost looked exactly the same. Like it's the weirdest yeah. thing. I don't know why they do that. Yeah. Fish. Interesting. Love how we're going from mayflies to lay downs to current. Well, it's all relative because it we're all still plays including together. mayflies. Yeah. Right. Yep. Yeah. I mean, it's plays, was, it plays this time of year. This past weekend though, was a heck of a lot of fun for between the yeah. mayfly hatch to having we didn't really have much current to play with besides no. a little bit in practice, but yeah. uh, tell little people about the bite you had going on at Chickamauga. We'll, we'll, we'll get into our tournaments and then we'll probably start wrapping it up here in a little bit. Yeah, dude, that was, that was weird. Um, the first day I was throwing a weightless ghillie. So I was taking a 90 size ghillie and hooking it through the eye with a one-aught Nico rig hook. And so this thing has no salt in it. And the hook was the only weight pulling it down. So this thing would sink so extremely slow, like it was painful. But it was the only thing that I could get those fish to eat, like for me anyway. And I'd throw that thing in there and just dead stick it. But like as you dead sticked it, that hook would pull that nose down. And as soon as that top cavity on that ghillie started to fill with water, it just started to like slither down and like that, that tail would catch and it would just go and do the slither all the way down that, you know, that little S that it does all the way down to the bottom. And normally before it hit the bottom tick and wanted to start swimming sideways with it. So I did that the first day. 
Um, got four of my five bites the first day on that and then caught one flipping a pit boss. Um, I finally got pissed off and I was like, I'm going flipping. And, uh, I went and flipped in on a, on a reed patch and there was one sitting there and ate that pit boss. And I hit him so hard. I'm pretty sure I killed that poor fish. Um, and then the second day I told Bailey, I said, I'm going up in the river and I'm swinging for the fences. And he was like, all right, whatever you want to do. I was like, I'm going to go have fun. Cause I was like in the 80th place. And I was like, I'm going to have to either have a freaking phenomenal day tomorrow or a fun day tomorrow. And I could have a phenomenal and a fun day all at the same time. So I'm going swinging for the fences. And, uh, I went in one slew and got all five of my bites on a frog and, uh, had a phenomenal time and ended up in like, ended up in, I was in 59th. And then the next day I was in 58th. So I don't know where I, where I ended up, but I ended up somewhere. Uh, it's yeah, kind of I ended in 13th and got an email and I was in 12th. Yeah. Well, how, how does that work? Did you get another check? Do you get more money or what happened? So if you're in the money and you're from a certain position, cause I don't want to put the guy on blast cause I don't think you knew the rule, which yeah. if you're in the kayak tournament, you probably should know this rule. Cause it's like the biggest one that everyone has to follow. Yeah. Uh, but basically they found later in a, one of his pictures, uh, that I think it was like a life vest thing. Life vest wasn't on. Uh, oh, but basically, no. I got DQ'd. So, Dang. yeah, everyone well, got bumped go. up. Just gotta follow the rules. That's all. Yeah, it's especially a, especially a PFD like that's. He seemed kind new. Of the big one. Seen, like I, I'll give a guy a benefit of the doubt. He was a cool, dude. He seemed new to the tournament scene, so you got to learn these mistakes yeah. as you go. You got to learn eventually. I bet you he's. I mean, yeah. Granted, that is the biggest rule, but I mean, I bet you he doesn't ever forget to wear his PFD anytime. No. No, he'll probably super glue that one to a shirt that he wears and just slip that shirt on. <laughs> yeah. uh, dude, it was, a lot, it was a heck of a lot of fun. I didn't really figure out. I mean, I had a shade line pattern going with the mag draft. Uh, but that first, I mean, we, that first spot that we found, Alex, was like, I was not expecting that many people to be going to the same place as us. Nope. Yeah, that, was, I think that's what ruined it for us. Yeah, it was kind of crazy to see how many people came in, like saw eight people in there, and then was like, "Yeah, I'll still fish this. I'll cut this guy off. I'll cut that guy off." Oh, yeah. People are brutal. The the best yeah. part was the best part was Andrew. You'll get a kick out of this. Is so I'm making my loop around the whole thing. There are certain people fishing like certain sections, and you know, obviously their water is their water. Um, but I'm going around, and I'll be like talking to certain guys. I'm like, "Hey, man, do you care if I go, you know, around you this way or?" Do you want me to cut in the inside or the outside of you or whatever? Every guy's like, yeah, man, go wherever you want because they know we're all sharing the dang slew. We're all making laps around this thing. And there, but there was one guy that I was like, he was like maybe three quarters of the way back. And I was just like, do you care if I go towards the back? Like, do you care if I go around you? I'm going to wave the back. And I was going to go to the other side. He's like, well, I'm just going to work this whole thing real slow. And I was like, the whole thing. Okay, I was just like, whatever. I just turned around. And I, okay. He gave he gave you that Tommy Biffle from here to here, six and a half miles. It's all mine. <laughs> I'm like, I'm out, dude. I'm leaving. Sidebar: That's like if you go back and rewatch like any of the Bassmaster Elite series, like reruns of Mercer, like asking impersonate people. That's my favorite one. Where like I think who was it like. Keith Poche personated Tommy Biffle. He's like, this is my water from here to here. Don't you come yeah. anywhere near it. Dude, I tell you, man, I, I tell you, that is what killed that spot. 
that is what killed that spot. And what else killed that spot was people sore lipping those fish. Cause I talked to one dude after you left, he come pulling up and just, we were kind of chit chatting. He's like, yeah, man, I came in here yesterday and caught like 20. And I was just like, dummy. Like, why would you do that? And I think uh, that's what happened. I mean, because there was so many fish. We found that. What was that Wednesday that we found that? You yeah, found like it. And I come in there. Yeah, you you went and found it, and then I kind of come in there and was just jacking around with them, trying to figure out what they would eat. And like, there was so many fish blown up out in the middle that you could catch at will. And mm-hmm. Friday, they never did it, and it was perfect. Like it should have happened. But I think just with all the sonars on in there, there's you know everybody had a graph on their kayak and almost everybody had them on. That coupled with the fact that there was probably fifteen people that went in there and just sore lipped the crap out of them. I think that that's what kind of just made that spot fall apart. But then you found that one little stretch of bank, dude, and just cracked them. Like, pretty much called up every single fish you had. Yeah, I remember I left that with four fish. I left that slew of four fish. I had to, like, finesse all the way down to, like, an Okashira head. Like, it was that finesse Yeah. Yeah. And I went over to you and basically said, I'm out. And it was, like, what, 10, 10, 30? Because we stayed in there way too long, I think. Yeah. Um, And we had left. And I had this once. Everyone was in the same dang slough. No one was fishing anything different. I had yeah. another slough that was probably a mile away, and I went yeah. to it. And yeah, literally, like from the time that I left you, I think forty minutes later, we saw each other again. And I was like, "Yeah, I, all, I put all my fish away. Like, I got my yeah. limit, and I called every other thing, every other fish in that limit down this literally fifty-yard stretch. And that yeah. was just on the mag draft and shade lines. Yeah, that's crazy, yeah. man." It's chick then, though, dude. I mean, it's just one stretch, one stop, and like it's you you can call up. I mean, it's it's crazy. Yeah. That's what I did Sunday. So Sunday I said, screw that. I'm not even gonna start in that slew that everyone yeah. was in. I started in a brand new one, like that I'd never been to. I was gonna fish all new water. And I fished there, got two fish that were like, like a 12 incher and a 14 incher, but I had seen I saw one guy that was in it, and that was the only kayak that I saw all day. Cause I went to that slough where I called up and I couldn't catch anything. I caught one fish in that slough yep. and it was one, the, I, I, I swear it's the same fish that chased my mag draft, bumped it. And it was the one I didn't catch down that mm-hmm. slough and I caught it on a wacky rig. And that was the only fish I caught in there. And it had me convinced that like I wasn't going to be able to catch fish in the same areas that I caught fish the next day. So I just covered as much water as like after that i every spot i hit after that i never what did i tell you though what did i tell you though you would catch them and once you sore lip them there's no catching them again like it is the freaking damnedest thing (laughs) like chickamauga is notorious for it and like the in like the top the top five ten people i think that's what happened to all of them except for that one dude who found them offshore the offshore thing's completely different but like mm-hmm. that, that I said, anybody that's fishing the back of these creeks, the backs of these sloughs, if they go sore lipping one day, they won't be able to catch more than 75, 76 inches the next day. And well, sure enough, there was so many people that caught like 90 plus inches one day. The next day they barely caught, you know, 70 inches, but it was enough to get them a check. You know what I mean? It was good, but it just proves that, man, like once you catch those big fish out of a lot of those areas on Chickamauga, you don't repeat it. And that was my biggest worry with that tournament. And that probably kind of hurt me. Like, there was probably some areas I could have gone and swung on some giants the first day that I should have. 
But instead, I tried to play conservative and do 80 inches, you know, 85 and a half inches like Bailey fortunately got to do to kind of get in the money. And instead of catching – that was my weirdest thing is instead of catching 18 inches, I caught 15 inches. Like that was just my biggest thing. I got bites. I got limit both days. It was just small limit. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, it was definitely – it was interesting because I – these different Southern bodies of water are really fun for me to learn because like you go down a bank here in the North and you can, in a day you can sore lip them like you're talking about where it's like, you go down that bank again and you won't catch anything, but like you show up the next day, you'll get a whole new group of fish. Whereas like that isn't the case with a lot of these fisheries, especially a pressured fishery like Chickamauga. Yeah. Um, but I caught so many dang fish that day on a frog, like every overhanging tree, every, especially if a tree, like the actual limb and trunk was connected to like basically the bank where that water level reached, you, mm-hmm. you were guaranteed to get bit there. Like so yeah. many freaking frog fish. And I did see, I was going to actually ask you about this. I had like a school of skipjack. I could mm-hmm. not tell if they were chasing or being chased, but going yeah. absolutely crazy in front of me. And I tried fishing around it. I had seen them go crazy in a school of gizzard shad. I would say knew it was chasing the gizzard shad, and I followed that for yeah. a little while. Could not get touched. Yeah. But like the skip yeah. jump is what has me curious. Like, are they <laughs> chasing or were like, if they were being chased, I would cry at what was probably chasing them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or striper. Yeah. Is there stripers in chick? Yeah, yeah. yeah probably, that could have been what was chasing yeah. those skipjacks around. Yeah, the the skipjack were probably chasing glass minnows, and then there was probably a big like thirty or forty pound rockfish in there chasing the skipjack. If it wasn't a fifteen pounder, I mean, dude, I mean, I've seen I've seen freaking eights and nines down there with skipjack hanging out the back of their throat. Same thing with crappies. I mean, they'll eat them. Like there's big enough fish in there to eat them. But no, that's probably what what it was. A skipjack, or were they just kind of like popping, or were oh, they no, jumping, jumping, clear jumping out, out of the? Then that's probably a rockfish. There's probably a big rockfish in there with them trying to kill them. Yeah, yeah, they were like thirteen inch suckers, like too. They were big. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I've caught them dang old things on a Vision One Ten before. It's hilarious. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah, <laughs> you I, get I the of them. and stuff. I remember Caleb saying though, because I was like, I was going through my head, and I just was like. They're away from me because I remember Caleb saying, if you're going down the bank and you're catching skipjack, leave. Because yeah. technically, typically they scare off the bass if it's like, yeah. if there's obviously not like eight or nine pounders. Yeah. Uh, and I remember him saying that, but they were schooling away from me and I was catching them on the bank and I was like, wait, Caleb said to leave. But I was like, wait, yeah. shut up. They're buddy. behind me. I'm on the bank. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. yeah. What's crazy, man, is is Caleb is so right, and I think what it is is the skipjack bring in the rockfish, and the bass are scared of the rockfish, just like bass are terrified of muskies where I live. Um, I don't know if it's the same up there, but like, dude, if there's muskies up spine, or you see a musk hole, or you see a muskie like do that dog, you know, they do that thing where they like their back comes out of the water. If you see one of those do that on a bank, you might as well just pick up the trolling motor and go somewhere else because the bass are not going to bite. It's it's crazy. So crazy story for you. Um, We have a lake here in the Finger Lakes that is just loaded with tiger muskie. Mm -hmm. I know a lot of people that have hooked tiger muskie or caught them. And then the next flip underneath the dock caught like a five or six pound largemouth. Like they were living together. 
That's crazy. <laughs> like you know, I actually watched a bass and a muskie square off one time. I found a bass on a bed and the muskie was like easing up easing in on the bass's bed and the bass like squared up with him. And I was like, bro, you do not want to square up with that muskie. Like that is the wrong but like it was it was pretty wild. Like the bass like turned sideways and like showed the whole side of his body and the muskie was like coming in on him and like the bass like flipped around real fast and showed him the other side of his body and the muskie stopped and then he like rushed him. And like the most kind of just ease back and swam off the other direction. And me and it's my like, buddy were fishing. Scared. Yeah. Well, me and my buddy were fishing. We both, I looked at him. I go, you saw that, right? And he was like, yeah, I saw that. I was like, that's the coolest thing I think I've ever seen. He's like, that dude, that was one, badass. That's one apex largemouth. Yeah. I was like, that, that largemouth right there deserves to live. Like he's a badass. Uh, it was probably the mama on the bed too, or was it the little like runt male that's like three pounds? No, he was like a three and a half, four pounder. And oh, what was yeah, funny? Big male. What was funny is I skip a frog in there and it spooks him. I'm like, what the hell? Because <laughs> you gonna square up with a dang fifty inch muskie, but I skip a frog over your head and it spooks you. Like, what the heck? This testosterone was raging. Yeah, except for a uh, frog. So what? Uh, like an elephant being afraid of the mouse. <laughs> yeah, it's just ridiculous, dude. Uh, but well, no, boys, it's a good tournament, man. I enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah. I have no complaints besides the two fish that I dropped on a frog that probably would have helped me. But we're going to forget about those because it's behind us. <laughs> on to the next <laughs> anyway, one. Yeah, you have your tournament video out. So if you're not obviously following Mr. Alex Red, all the links will be down in the description for you guys so you can do such. I am slacking here and too busy with work, so chasing hardware probably won't come out for another week or so uh, from my turn. Excuses, excuses. Take care of your neck, buddy. Yeah, we'll figure it out. Get yourself straightened out there, man. (laughs) It's always something. But, uh, boys, what do you guys have coming up? Anything eventful that the folks should know about? Just a lot of guiding. A lot of guiding. A lot lot of guiding. (laughs) He's got to. He's got. He's got to feed the family. He does yeah. that by catching fish. Right. Um, I have no idea. Stuff. Lots of stuff. Things. Things and stuff. Um, fish. I think uh, fishing and YouTube. I want to make a bunch of videos. No, uh, obviously got the new tournament video out, and we'll be trying to put out at least three to four videos a week, every single week from here on out. I actually have nothing planned for July other than maybe going to iCast if I can get Bailey to convince me to come down there because I don't enjoy trade shows a whole ton because I'm just not very social of a creature. Um, you know, these podcasts would say otherwise, but trust me, I'm, I just don't like people that much. Um, and then August, I think I'm going to go do some saltwater fishing. Uh, September, I think I may be doing a thing with Do It Molds, maybe. I'm not sure yet. And then October, I'm actually going up to Michigan to do some small fall fall small mouth fishing and then other than that man just hanging out doing my thing being alex which is enough it's enough for every day more than enough one day we'll get you over here to new york and go fishing too there is definitely a there's an opportunity to come up there I, i need to actually get on a call here very soon with some people that are actually in buffalo and so they want me to come up for a uh, a soiree, if you will. And if I come up for a soiree, then I'm going to come see you two boys, and we're going to go catch some fishes. I like catching fishes. I do too. They're my favorite. <laughs> Same. It never gets old. I can be on the water every day, and I 
enjoy just as much as the day before. I've always said the only tattoo that I would ever get is I like fishing and I would get it right here. And so when people ask me what I like, I just be like, I like fishing. That's the you only one I'd ever get. get. The, the lip tattoo that just says fish. Fish. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yep. Well, boys, appreciate you guys taking the time out tonight. Mr. Rudd, you know, it was like we saw you a couple of days ago. But uh, hopefully, hopefully I'll see you again real soon, buddy. Hopefully and, not. Uh, yeah, for our for our sake. Uh, <laughs> it's always good to see you, Alex. I don't know what Bailey's talking about. So, uh, I, had, I had enough rub last week, I don't, I don't know dude. That. I'm telling you, man, about three, four days of me, and then you just get it to you. See, I know it's like, God dang, I'm I'm glad I'm in bed just to get away from it for eight hours. Good lord, <laughs> yeah. It's like I got in the truck, and I was like, You hear that? It's silence. <laughs> <laughs> He's not talking about rabbit screwing, like, Oh, god, thank you. <laughs> Oh, that's uh, boys, gonna wrap it up right here, and we will see you guys next week. Peace. Bye. Well, that was an awesome show. Hope you guys enjoyed it. If you can and your app allows it, please leave us a rating and review. It really helps us get seen more, which allows us to access more time and more variables to be able to bring to the show to make it better for you guys. So hope you enjoyed it. And if you did and you like some of the things we talked about in this episode and want to check out our show partners, all of that is in every single show description. You can click down there. It's got all of our discount codes, all of our links to our show partners where you guys can go and support the people that support this show and help us make this show happen. And of course, this show does not happen without you guys. You guys know we appreciate you. You're the Sears Sanger fam. You're the reason we're here. Appreciate y'all, and we'll see y'all on the next one.